want you to go with me today. We are studying the book of Philippians uh, in our life groups. And one of the things, the theme in chapter 4, which we'll get to next week, but we are not to be filled with anxiety. Right? And I want to talk to you today about the enemy called worry. The word anxiety means to be upset. And the writer here says, don't be tensed about anything. Don't be nervous. Don't be irritated, agitated, aggravated at nothing. Right? But not to be nervous. Do not be irritable or upset with anything. That includes my kids. That includes my finances. That includes my tomorrow and my yesterday. Right? Don't be intense and tensed up about anything. But he says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, with supplication, meaning a pouring out, that I can come to God and I can pour out my worry, my anxiety about my job, about my kids, about my situation, that I can bring it and pour it out and then begin to pray about it and ask God to do a work in my life, right? That's what he says. He says, let your request be made known with thanksgiving. In verse 7, we are told that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts. And so we are living in times when you have to guard your heart, your mind. Because if you don't, the torment, the worry will overtake you. Amen. So I want to talk to you this morning. I won't preach all of that today, but I just want to lay that foundation. It is where we'll be next week in our life group. But I want to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1 in verse number 7. And it says there that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Amen. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I know that we're not supposed to worry. I try not to worry, but sometimes it's hard. And I know it's bad to worry. The word alone, the word worry alone comes from the old German word, which means to choke or to strangle. And that's exactly what worry does. It strangles us. There's always something to worry about. We could worry about our job. We can worry about the economy and the unstableness of it. We could worry about what the opinions and the expectations of people are. 
We can worry about our bills. We can worry about sickness. We can worry about disease. We can worry about a lot of things. We, we may be worried about our kids. Maybe uh, you're in a stage of life where college is coming up soon. And, and maybe it, you, it, it's your parents are getting older and they uh, are in time of, of getting sick and ill. Uh, how do you keep kids safe in this culture that we are living in today? You, you, you pray for them. You, you try to protect them the best that you can, but you can't put them in a room and lock the door uh, and, and let them out whenever they're 28 years old because uh, they will send you to prison. It would be great if you could, you know, whenever they get beyond thinking they know it all and they learn a little something, but we can't put them in that cocoon. They've got to go through the process. They've got to learn. And, and sometimes it's difficult, you know. We see the little kids today that are dealing with things that I did not deal with until I was in high school. And now elementary school kids are, are dealing with these same situations and have to make choices and decisions on a, in a little mind that doesn't have the capacity to do so. And then there's personal things. You know, somebody you love goes to the doctor and they have these tests done. And you never get tests back the same time you take them. They take days and weeks and, and, and you get those, don't get those results back and you're waiting on the results and you're waiting to see what is happening and what is going on. And you, if you're not careful, you begin to wonder and, and your wonder turns into worry because you ask yourself the question, what if? What if it comes back negative? What if it comes back a bad report? What if, it, what if your mind begins to race and it keeps you awake at night and it keeps your stomach tore up during the day because you're asking the question, what if? And worry begins to set in. Your worry, sometimes you say, well, what do you have to worry about? You know, sometimes I worry about the church. Sometimes I worry about my family. Sometimes, I, I, did I do a good enough job? Did I present the gospel in a way that, that people will not spend eternity in hell? Is it, did I present the message so people could understand it and, and be able to easily receive it? What if? Sometimes it causes your chest to get tight. It keeps you awake. Don't have any real people here today. A lot of people really think worry is their friend. <laughs> they don't say it, but the way we act to it, it, it is though that it is something that is our friend. Now, you know, us Christians, us churchy people, we don't call it worry. We, we, we try to, you know, put a different cover on it. We say, I'm concerned about some things. I'm concerned about some things. I know we want it to sound good, but the truth of the matter is we're still worried. Right? And some people even are addicted to worry. 
If they don't have anything to worry about, they worry about that. Because they've got to have something to worry about. Some are chronic worriers. There's got to be something to worry about. But I want to tell you this morning that worry is not your friend. In fact, worry is your worst enemy. It's one of the tools of the enemy, Satan, who tries to destroy our faith and teach us and to train us actually how to worry. Here's what the scripture says in Romans chapter 14 and verse 23. Everything that does not come from faith is sin. And in so many ways, worry is the opposite of faith. If anything is not of faith in God, that means that it is faith in the evil one. It says, I believe the worst possible case scenario. Now, I'm thankful for doctors. How many is thankful for doctors? I'm thankful for doctors, but... But it is their job to tell you the worst case scenario. You can go in with a, uh, a toenail that's messed up. And they'll tell you instead of saying we need to take that toenail off. They say if you don't take care of it we may have to amputate it. Huh? It's the worst case scenario. They go there so that it causes you to realize the sincerity of the situation if it's not taken care of. I understand that. But I believe a lot of us are that same way in everyday life. The enemy, will tr we will train our minds to go to the worst case scenario. And so that we begin to worry about things that we don't even need to be worried about. In fact, studies have shown that 90% of the things that we worry about never happen. Amen? So let's define worry. A working definition of worry. What is worry? We could say worry is the sin of distrusting the promises and the power of God. Worry is the sin of distrusting the promises and the power of God. We must acknowledge that. It is sin of distrusting the promises and the power of God. In fact, here in scriptures, we find that we read here this morning that God has not given us the spirit of anxiety of tension and worry, but God has given us the spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. 366 times in the scripture, God gives us a fear not. That is one fear not for every day, and he didn't leave out leap year. He gave us a fear not for every day of our life. Fear is the enemy of your faith. And many people fear that they will fail. But we must embrace the truth that unless you are Jesus Christ, you will fail. Don't fear it. Embrace it. 
because it's a part of the growth process. Dad used to tell me, if you don't fail every once in a while, you ain't doing enough. Amen. Because if you, if you are so safe that you never fail, then that means you're not trying anything new. You're not making any progress. You're not going anywhere. But the reality of it is this, that if you're going somewhere, if you're trying something new in the process, you are, we are all going to stumble. We are all going to fail. Every single one of us will stumble in, many, in, in some way in our life. If anyone is never at fault, James says, then he is a perfect man. We all fail. Unless you never do anything, then you will fail at some point in your life. But just because you fail at something does not mean that you are a failure. Because for you to fail means that I'm growing. You can overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the word of your testimony and the blood of the Lamb. He tells us that you can overcome your fear, you can overcome your worry, you can overcome anxiety. And I love Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 16. The Bible says, it, for though the righteous fall seven times, they will raise again. Amen. What happens when you get knocked down? You get back up. What happens when you, when you, when you go through uh, difficult times? You press on. When you stumble, what do you do? You get back up. When you fall, what do you do? You get back up. You can't please God without faith risk. Right? You can't please God without faith risk. There's times without faith it is impossible to please God. If you're not taking a risk, then you don't need any faith. Without faith, without stepping out of your comfort zone into the land of faith, it is completely and absolutely impossible to please God. <laughs> you cannot play it safe and please God. You cannot bury your talent and not use it and please God. Just like Peter in the New Testament, some people say Peter failed, right? How many preachers have I heard preach on that scripture and Peter and talk about that Peter failed, right? Talking about he got out of the boat and he, he was walking on water and he fixed his eyes on Jesus and he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he sees the wind and he sees the storm and he takes his eyes and he, and he, and he falls into the water. And uh, so many of us have preached that Peter failed that day. But I, I submit to you today that Peter didn't fail that day. Who failed that day? The 11 others sitting in the boat. They never got out. The spirit of fear doesn't come from God. It comes from the enemy, the evil one, the devil. And so many of us have been gripped by it. 
What did Jesus say about the subject of worry? Let's look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25 and 26. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at your birds of the air, for they neither sow nor do they reap nor they gather into the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not more valuable than they? Jesus said, don't worry about your life. And he says, even the very, he, he doesn't say, don't worry about your life of, of a house, of a car, or a job. He, he goes into the very minute, insignificant, seemingly things, the, the small things, the, the particular things that, that you have to have to exist, food, clothing, right? He said, don't worry about none of these things. Because he said, I take care of the sparrows. And they haven't done one thing for me. They, haven't, they don't bring food into the barns. They don't do any of these things. But I still take care of them. You know what that is? That's grace. We don't have to try to do all of these things. We don't have to be uh, super duper. We don't have to be holier than thou. All we need to be, we are already God's child. And because he loved us, because he created us in his likeness, in his image, and we, we have conformed to his likeness and image, he loves us. And because he loves us, he's going to take care of us. Jesus said, don't worry about your life. It's the Greek word here. The word life is translated. It means your whole life. Life in total. It means that your mental life. You don't have to worry about your physical life. You don't have to worry about your emotional life. You don't have to worry about your spiritual life. It means that you don't have to worry about your yesterday life, today life, or your future life. You don't have to worry about it. In other words, he is saying, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about it. He, he's got it. He's got it. Because your heavenly father loves you so what's he saying to me here he's saying Brian I love you and I've got your back don't worry don't worry if I could sing I'd break into don't worry be happy don't worry Why do we choose to worry? That's what Jesus is saying. God has you covered and you don't have to worry about a thing. Yet so many of us do, even as believers we do. We stay awake at night playing the what if game going over different scenarios and agonizing in fear and intention. 
Our stomachs get in knots, we get ulcers, we get headaches, our back and our neck are hurting us throughout the day, our blood pressure gets sky high, we're stressed out, we can't sleep, we can't sometimes eat or we eat too much, we battle depression, we, we, we take medicine to try to just function throughout a normal day because so many of us are hostage to the sin of worry. James said it very clear in James 1 and 22, but be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. God has asked me to do, to do something, and that is to think on right things. He's very clear in the scriptures of how I'm supposed to think. The word of God says that take no th- Take the thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. And so in other words, I just can't let my mind just just wander. And I can't allow my mind to just anything that comes to my mind, just allow it to do whatever it wants to do. I've got to take control of my mind. It's the battleground. It's the battlefield. Because everything starts with a thought. Everything starts with a thought. And so if you don't take control in your mind, then everything will be open in your life. So you've got to grab it there. You've got to take control of your thought life. Amen? And, it start, and whenever it starts to wander down that what-if trail, what if it's bad news? What if this happens? Oh my goodness, I'm worried about this. And we, we recognize this is not a God thought. This is not a God thought. This, this has to be from the enemy. So I take that runaway thought and capti- I bring it into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And I begin to, to interchange or exchange that negative thought, that worry with the word of the Lord. Right? And I begin to think on those things that are excellent, the things that are praiseworthy, the things that are honest, the things that are virtue, the things that are of a good report. So that when my mind starts running away, maybe I've got a, a, a project at school or maybe it's a, a situation at work and I think, oh, I'm going to bomb on this thing. I'm not, it, it's not going to work out well. But then I begin to think about the word of the Lord and, and, and how he is going to do his work in my life because he loves me. He has everything covered in my life. And and glory in my life and me being depressed and discouraged is not bringing glory to God so I'm going to change this situation and believe that all things are going to work together for my good it hasn't always been like this neither shall it stay like this God has a good work in my future I take that captive thought And I make it into the obedience to Christ. And by doing so, I retrain my mind. You know, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of my mind. Amen. I lived in Adam for so long. 
that I thought like Adam. I worried like Adam. Huh? But now I have, Adam has died and I've married another. Come on. Which is Christ. Right? And now I have to renew and retrain my mind to think no longer like Adam, but to think like Christ. And Christ said that I'm the head and not the tail. He said, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. He said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, right? And so I've got to take those God thoughts and renew my mind. And you must uh, grab those runaway, disobedient thoughts and begin to make them subject to the word of God. Instead of responding with fear, you respond with the power of the Spirit. God wants you to retrain your mind to think the way that he thinks. Oh, if you could just get in us, if we could just get in us, what God thinks about us. Right? If you could just see yourself the way God sees you. Through the lens of his love. Through the lens of his grace. His mercy, his redemption power. If you could just see yourself through his eyes for a moment. I know that, that, that some people have, have not been churched and they, they haven't gone through church. Other people who have. And, and, and we, we have all this religious baggage and this junk and all this condemnation and all this guilt and all this mess. But he said there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And so the old Adam is gone. He is dead, and I've married another. And even though they, they, people may come and they say, well, that's you did this, and you did that, right? And look at James and say, James, James was this, and James was that, and James, yes, that was James, but that was the James in Adam, right? But now this is the James in Christ Jesus. And Adam is dead and Christ lives in us. And so now there's a transformation that has taken place in my life. And so I will not be condemned with what I did in Adam because now I stand in the grace and I stand in the mercy and the redemption of Jesus Christ who has made me a new creation in Christ Jesus, right? Philippians 4 and 6 says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind. How? Through Jesus Christ. I'd be worried about it if I had to depend on my own ability. But he's going to guard my heart through Jesus Christ, who has never lost a battle. Amen? Now, what typically happens is we say, okay, this is bothering me. and God, okay, I, I give this to you. God, here it is. I, 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 get, I can't take it. I'm going to give it to you. I trust you with it. And a few hours later, maybe two, three days later, we're, we're at 
Okay, God, you're taking too long. I'm getting nervous. I'm getting worried. I don't see nothing happening here. I gave it to you. You didn't do anything with it. I'm going to take it back. I want to ask you some questions here this morning. You can respond. Can any of you heal a person of cancer? Can anybody do that? Can God do that? So that's something we can give to God. Right? We don't worry about it because we can't do anything about it. But we give it to God, we trust God, and He can do it. Can you protect your kids from all danger? No. But can God give His angels charge over them? And keep them in all of their ways. So why should I worry? Can you change your spouse? I know some of you think you can. (laughs) No elbow in here now. Can God do it? He can change me too. Huh? He can change us. Can your worry change anything? But God can change everything. He can change what you and I cannot change. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We ask God to do something. Are we going to totally give it to him and say, I cast my care upon you for you care for me? Are we going to seek him first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, so that we can see all of these other things be added to us? Or are we going to spend our time worrying and changing nothing? This is what Jesus said. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Why did he say not worry about tomorrow? Because tomorrow already has enough to worry about itself. Right? Don't worry about tomorrow. When you trust God, you realize he's already in your tomorrow. Right? Time is not an issue for him. He is already in your tomorrow. So no matter what happens, I'm going to trust God. I've walked with him long enough in yesterdays, and I've seen his faithfulness enough in my yesterdays to realize that he will be faithful in my today, and I can trust him with my tomorrow, so I choose not to worry. You want to stop worry? Then no matter what, trust God. That's the picture you need to see. No matter what, trust God. If God does what I think he should do, I trust him. If God doesn't do what I think he should do, I trust him. If I pray and believe God and it works out, I trust him. 
If I pray and I believe God and it turns into my worst nightmare, I still believe he's sovereign and I can trust him. I believe he has plans to bless me and to prosper me and not to harm me, to give me a hope and a future. And so therefore I choose to trust him even when I cannot trace him. No one can stop the life of worry and fear but you. It's your choice. When you walk with God for enough yesterdays and you see how faithful he is, it is then that you realize that I don't have to worry ever again because he told me that he would take care of me. He told me that he is my heavenly father. He told me that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He told me that I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And my yesterdays is a track record of his faithfulness. And so I can believe him for today and tomorrow he is going to take care of me. Worry is a sin that I refuse to live with because it is a sin of distrusting the promise and the power of God in my life. And I will not insult God that way. I've trusted him and he has been faithful. And so he who has began a good work in me, he is capable and able and willing to do it to the fulfillment. Maybe you're here today and you're worried about things. And you just want to give it to God today, for real. For real, cast your care, your anxiety on him. Maybe you're here today and you're worried. Have I done enough right? Have I done enough good? When I stand before God, will he take me in? Maybe you have bad news in your life and you're worried about the things that the doctors report or maybe it's the kids or maybe it's a job situation and the spirit of worry has come to steal your faith in God and your confidence in God. And today you would just want to lay it on the altar. Just give it to him. Trust him totally. For after all, hasn't he been faithful in your yesterday? Here's the reality. The best that we can do is never good enough. And so it's not about what I've done. It's about what he has done. And so I trust him today to take care of everything that I need that pertaineth unto life and to godliness. Because he's a good God. Amen. He's a good God. He's a consistent God. You want to know what God will do in your tomorrow? Look at what he's did in your yesterday. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He's not schizophrenic. He doesn't love you one minute and hate you another. He's a good father. 
And He wants to make everything good in your life today. That's what a father does, isn't it? Whenever, you know, of course, Destiny's still in the house, but she's of age. And Jordan, whenever they were little, they never had a thought about if they were going to have food. Renee and I took care of them. It never crossed their mind would they have a bed to sleep in or a house to live in. It was provided for them. It wasn't even a thought. We did our best to take care of them and as a result of that, they never had to worry about nothing. And if me being an earthly father can do that, how much more capable and able is our Heavenly Father able to take care of everything that we need in life. It's easier to preach than it is to live, but I promise you today that if we can trust Him, cast our care, care